Welcome to another edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. If you thought we were only doing this in football season, you were wrong. We are here. Seth Everett, Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com. He's coming to you from an undisclosed Costa Rican de- uh, location. Uh, boy, this guy travels with the high rollers. Patrick, how was the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, I guess a semi-disclosed location. I didn't even know if we were going to put what part of the world. But uh, no, uh, good to be back in Costa Rica, especially this time of year. Uh, no better place for me to be as an odds maker than to be where so much of odds making uh, originates for U.S. sports. You know, I know we are opening up all these fancy new shops uh, on the mainland in the U.S., but for a lot of OG sports bettors, uh, this is where the line originates. This is where all the a lot of people uh, cut their teeth, so to speak. So it, no better place for me personally to experience the game. Good group of people. And uh, what a game it was, Seth. Holy smokes. That game had everything and then some. Both teams played about as well as you could expect. Uh, you know, a tough one results-wise for the book, but in terms of what we were able to offer, what the betting opportunities were, and uh, just the excitement from a fan point of view, couldn't really ask for much more. Well, it was a it was a great presentation. I mean, I thought the the whole thing was great. You know, you talk about the game. You know, I I didn't say this a lot going into it because I, there was a chance I was dead wrong, but. The game turned out to be exactly what I thought it was, and that is too close to call. You know, I, I, there was no way I could have done anything. I, I don't know if you did, and if you want to disclose that, but sure, I would have. You know, if there was a favorite, or if I felt strongly for one team, uh, one morning I woke up, I was all Eagles, and then when the Eagles had that first drive, I was like, oh, they're gonna wipe, wipe the floor here. Chiefs took a punch and came right back. And then the turnovers, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen in the second half. In the second half, you didn't know who was going to win. In the entrance of the fourth quarter, you were tied. It's a perfect scenario for the NFL, but not for the gambler. Uh, I, unless you were a gambler just betting on there to be lots of points in that one. That that was one thing that wasn't now, that's too controversial different. If you bet us. over-unders, right. If you bet yeah. over-unders, you had a field day. But that's yeah. not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the initial yeah. game, the yeah. initial line. I, I couldn't touch it. And I mean, I, I think that goes to show uh, how well it was priced. Uh, we closed the line. Uh, Eagles minus one favorite, uh, minus 120 on the money line. So Chiefs money line got all the way down to even money. And we kind of had that same split that we had last week and the week before we were talking about it. A little bit more money, Chiefs money line, a little bit more money on that Eagles spread just because it's very unlikely that the Eagles are going to win by exactly one. So players prefer to take that side or the other. Uh, it, so, I mean, from our point of view, uh, we didn't really get hurt too bad aside from the fact that the over is always popular in the Super Bowl. But yeah, this was a really tough game to predict. And I mean, I, I think it matched a lot of the narratives that people had, which was that the Eagles were probably the most well-rounded team that their offense had so many heads on that dog uh, and the RPOs that they're able to run. And that with the Chiefs, it was going to come down to Ken Mahomes be the dynamic, crazy, make you throw your hands up in the air with excitement kind of plays. And he did that multiple times in that game on one leg. It looked like we might have lost him uh, late first half and that we might see Chad Henney again after he came up limping. But I I hate to use the term because it's overused, but what a gamer. What an absolute gamer. Jalen Hurts was incredible, too. 
Uh, it's, you know, you, you look at time of possession, uh, plays run. The Eagles controlled everything in that game until they didn't. And yeah, right. <laughs> that, that's got to be the most frustrating thing. If you're an Eagles fan or Eagles player today, you executed everything the way you in wanted to plan. for not for 90% of the game. You, Till the end. And, and yet, and yet it still played out like that. That is, that's got to be what's, you know, the Chiefs didn't blow the doors off them. Like if you're the Eagles offensively, what can you say you could have done different next time around? Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't know. And I think that speaks to the greatness of Patrick Mahomes and what he was able to do on, you know, one and a half legs out there for the rest of the Super Bowl run. And then it got re-aggravated and he was asking Rihanna to go ten more minutes. <laughs> well, we were curious about that at, uh, you know, here at Pavada, you know, where you know, listen, we were excited for the halftime show. Don't get me wrong, but we were wondering what's having that, you know, maybe that re-aggravation of the ankle injury being so close to halftime where he might be sitting down. That's where that could flare up and get even worse. You want him to be moving in those kind of scenarios. So, but I, I don't know how he was able to walk that off or what they were able to give him, but yeah, he, he just looked incredible in the second half. I mean, it, it's really hard to cheer against a guy like Patrick Mahomes. He's an incredible player on the field, fun guy off the field. And he, he, the accolades and everything he's accomplished at such a young age, it's it's very easy to do this right after Super Bowl. But, you know, trophies matter. And the kind of things that he's putting up there, uh, he could end up being the GOAT. Very, very, very early. A lot of things have to break, and it's a league yeah, with a lot it's, of parity. It's way too but, soon, right? But no, nobody is consistently doing the insane stuff that he does. Not just finding receivers. His brain works on a different level than any other QB in the league. And when you match that with his athleticism, it's it's awe-inspiring every single day. And I say this as someone who's usually pretty numb to how great and exciting sports can be, but he's... He's one of those few in all sports that really just gets me out of my chair, even even when he hurts us, because in game they hurt us. They were underdogs for good parts of that game. Yeah. But I, I get why the betters are going to keep backing Mahomes and keep backing him at any price. So, uh, you know, whatever. We took a small one on the chin. Worth it for a game of that quality. Totally makes sense. Um, I also loved just the way he won. Uh, he was such a good winner. And he gave so much praise to Jalen Hurts. He said all the right things. And he said, he said, there are no, there should be no doubters about who Jalen Hurts is now. Um, I, I just was, I, I was blown away. I, I, I think the world of the guy, um, I usually don't put athletes on that kind of pedestal. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I know where he comes from and I know the kind of upbringing he had. Um, his godfather is a dear friend of mine, uh, Latroy Hawkins, former baseball player. Pat Pat Mahomes was a former pitcher, um, but you know I, I'll be I, I I make no secret of the fact that Patrick Mahomes is an easy guy to root for, and mm-hmm. if you're the Eagles, you go right back, you go right back to the championship because there's nobody in the NFC better than you, nobody. 49ers do unless they solve their quarterback situation they the 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 best team in the NFC next year is the Philadelphia Eagles I mean I think you're right I think the 49ers are there in the conversation uh I I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a one in one a because I do think the Eagles are a pedestal higher than them but realistically looking at both these teams and you know uh, I mean, Mahomes clearly, they, listen, they got rid of Tyreek Hill in the offseason. And 
they replaced without issue. The offense weirdly got even better this year with Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, you know, they still have Kelsey there, who's no slouch, but they had pretty much interchangeable guys at wide receiver at various parts of the season. And they were that good. I think what will help the Eagles as well and why these are probably two teams that are going to end up uh, competing for Super Bowls uh, in multiple years to come is, you know, yeah, they have some uh, really decent wide receivers as well, but what's really not, uh, What's really kind of out of the ordinary, I guess, in present day NFL was their three or four headed rushing attack is really what largely drove you. Now, in this game, Hertz threw up 300 yards, but so much of that was opened up by what they're able to do on the ground all season. And I mean, this is another team that has interchangeable parts, but they are so good top to bottom. You have incredible coaches in Andy Reid and Nick Sirianni as well. It is very difficult to find flaws in these teams. And yeah, yeah, I I mean, San Fran, I love from a coaching point of view. I love from the talent everywhere that's not named QB there. But if they can figure out someone serviceable, I mean, like Brock Purdy looked pretty serviceable, more than serviceable for most of the year, just because of the quality of the players around him. So it wouldn't surprise me if San Fran's knocking on the door, but that's it in the NFC. Uh, The Bills, pretty good team, but they have defensive questions. They have consistency questions with Josh Allen that nobody ever has about Patrick Mahomes. The Bengals are good. Joe Burrow's good, but they have have competitors in the AFC. There's more elite competitors in the AFC than the NFC. I I, I I I I think you're absolutely right there. I think both these teams are still a big notch ahead, though. Um, Maybe it, it's yeah, yeah. But Maybe. but the Look, Eagles should the Eagles should be very confident uh, for I'd say at least the next five years for the runs they should be able to put up, barring injuries because things happen in the NFL and they're short seasons and anything can happen. But uh, if you're the Eagles, you have to really really like your core. Uh, and I thought something uh, you know that came out of the post game interview regarding that defensive holding penalty, it would have been very, very easy for them to say, yeah, we got robbed. Yeah, that was bullshit. Uh, And I think if you were kind of lazily to try and apply to the city of Philadelphia, that persona of, yeah, we got screwed, F that. um, I I don't know if I'm making too much of this, but it seemed like a really professional, we've been there, we're ready, we know. They all owned that penalty. And I thought it was kind of a ticky-tack defensive holding at the end of the game. You hate to see a Super Bowl be decided on that. When it's slowed down, it looks like there were no excuses made by that Eagles team for why they lost. They uh, they accepted it. And for what that's worth, uh, I think that speaks to a team that's well-prepared, are very professional about how they go about their business and plan to be there next year. And I would say they should plan on being there next year. Yeah, there, there's reasons to believe. I thought, I know you didn't see it because you're in Costa Rica, but I thought uh, the Fox broadcast was uh, superb. I'm, I can't speak to the pregame. I didn't watch it. Um, a five and a half hour pregame is absurd. Um, you know, I'm not even going to get into the politics about- of, uh, Joe Biden saying yes, then no, then yes, then no. Um, I don't blame him for saying no, that's uh, we can leave that there. Um, but other than that, I thought Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson were brilliant. I am totally biased. Uh, Kevin and I worked together a couple of times, uh, over our careers, and to see his success uh, is remarkable. Uh, I am such a fan and such a friend. Um, and my boy was was calling the Super Bowl. It was crazy. I mean, you know, when you think about the Super Bowl in the last 10 years, it's Joe Buck, Jim Nance, Al Michaels, legends. You know, before that, Greg Gumbel uh, called a couple of Super Bowls. I mean, icons. But nobody in my age group bracket. You know what I mean? And... To, to see Kevin, 
who I think is the same age as me, uh, grew up in New Jersey. When he got out of college, he sold cars at a car dealership um, and then got a chance to do some high school play-by-play, uh, wound up getting a, a gig. Uh, that's where I first met him uh, when he was doing updates for uh, WCBS and WFAN in New York. Um, and then we worked together with the New York Mets. Uh, we traveled together uh, with the Mets on the plane and we sat together and, you know, went out to dinners and hung out. And I mean, when I was starting out with the Mets and I didn't know a lot of people, he was the first person to make sure that I was uh, comfortable. And if I needed anything and if there was anybody I needed an introduction to, he helped get me guests. Uh, it was just he was remarkable. Um, and I like when good things happen to good people. I root for good people. And he was Brilliant. Uh, just brilliant. And I thought he had a great game. And Greg Olson, you know, there's all this talk about Tom Brady. I I don't know what they're going to do when Tom Brady come, joins Fox, because if you bump Greg Olson, he is one of the top analysts. And I thought he had a better year this year than Tony Romo had. And that's saying something, because I, I, I think Tony Romo is still a good announcer. Um, he's better than Chris Collinsworth. Greg Olson should be a number one announcer somewhere. And if it's not going to be Fox, then somebody should grab him as fast as they can. I got to agree with all of that. I mean, I think the Burkhart Olsen uh, booth crew this year was a revelation for a lot of people. Um, I, I can speak to how uh, I saw in my circles, you know, sharp betters who, listen, we we want good breakdowns of what's happening and, you know, go a little bit easy on the fluff if you can. Olsen was fantastic as an analyst this year uh, in a way that a lot of people really got excited for Tony Romo in that first year. And there, there's kind of this thinking now that uh, I, that maybe Romo's kind of gotten away from it a little bit. He's not as familiar with some of the players in the league, or maybe he's just not as meticulous at, with his homework as he was when he first started. But where he's seemingly slipping ever so slightly, Olsen and Burkhart have just been an incredible duo this year. I remember when the season started, uh, candidly, uh, that very first week one, I'm like, uh, Olsen and Burkhart, uh, Fox, that's that's the number one duo? Okay, uh, let, let's see how it goes, you know, because you're used to Buck and Aikman for however many years that was. And listen, they hit it out of the park this year. I, I think there's a lot of pretty okay guys out there. There's a lot of guys that are maybe a little bit past their prime. Burkhart and Olsen were uh, genuinely a delight all season. So great to see them get the Super Bowl and great to see them, you know, continue to call these games well because, uh, yeah, we need, I think we need a bit of a passing of the torch. Overall, this Super Bowl was very close to call. Uh, I thought going into it, that's a hard one to be very confident on. Um, I, I struggled with it because I told you before, I'm not averse to placing down a bet and I a lot of times follow your advice. But for this one, it was a pick 'em. If in my eyes, it felt like a pick 'em, and going into the fourth quarter, it was tied. Nah, and, and this this was a scenario, Seth, where we were we were pretty okay with whichever team was going to ultimately win this game. We just didn't want there to be a lot of points, and I know that doesn't make us popular with players, but you know, looking at uh, the parlays on the game and the teasers attached to either team and the total. It was nothing but money on the over at Bavada. So we were praying for a low scoring game, but uh, we, we got crushed with that. Once the, the scoring started as much as it did, as early as it did, as often as it did, we knew we were going to be in for a world of pain. But uh, yeah, that, that was a tough one for us there. Uh, again, we would have been okay with either team. Just that many points really hurt us. 
What about the halftime and 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 those kinds of things? Uh, was the national anthem I heard? It was only like a couple of seconds over. Uh, you know what? It depends what line you got. I think the last line that we posted, Seth, because we posted this at various times of the week, as uh, you know, we we try and figure out uh how best to price this. And then once the rehearsal comes out, that usually gets leaked and we can get pretty close. So at the very end, our closing line at Bavada was over under two minutes and three seconds. And we timed that at 201.32 seconds there. So ever so slightly under on the main line at the end with that had the majority bets on it. All right. And now let's take a look at futures uh, for next season. The favorites have to be the Eagles and the Chiefs, right? I'm actually a bit surprised to see the Eagles take a bit of a dip here. What we currently have is we have the Chiefs as the favorite at 6-1. to one. The Bills follow them at plus 850. And then the Bengals and the Eagles are both right there at 9-1. to one. Uh, Trailing just behind the Eagles are the 49ers at 10-1. to one, And then everyone else is 15-1 to one or higher. So those are your main favorites at Bavada. Looks like a really good chance that we could see a Chiefs-Eagles uh, rematch as they are the top favorites in their conferences. You know, I, I think where there might be some opportunities a little bit uh, in the medium to lower end of the futures board is kind of the teams that had good out, had a good outlook for 2022, but either by injuries or other situations, ultimately didn't see it pan out. You know, the LA Rams are a really interesting choice at 30 to one, and they are a small liability for us right now because, hey, they are two years removed from being the Super Bowl champs. Uh, they still have a lot of that roster uh, in play. Injuries was really the worst part of their 2022 season. McVay is coming back. And I would say a similar team in that regard is also the Miami Dolphins, that who are also at 30-1 to 1 at Bavada, also representing a low liability for us, and also a team that started off, played some really good football, but injuries ultimately derailed their season with Tua Taya Viola having two different concussions at various parts. So I would say that, you know, as much as we know who the favorites are and it makes sense, uh, there's certainly some opportunities there, especially with these teams that will have ever so slightly easier schedules because of how tough their 2022 season was. So now what are we going to do? This podcast has been so football centric. What are we going to, to focus on? Clearly, uh, it's not going to be hockey and tennis like I want. <laughs> I was I was going to go to the beach and just thought we'd call it a day. But uh, I don't know. I guess we should keep talking about sports. Uh, it's it's, well, it's so nice. The, what's, what's big in, in, in your mind here? I mean, there's no special elections. You know, we're not we're not <laughs> very we're not happy at about March that yet. We're not we're not at March yet. We're not we're not in March yet, but you know what? We do have college uh, basketball a little bit on the horizon. This is kind of an interesting uh, day uh, for betters uh, because yesterday, or sorry, not yesterday, uh, when the Super Bowl happened a few nights ago, we had uh, what is the biggest betting day of the year at Bavada, and it's also the biggest casino uh, betting day of the year at Bavada, and those were days that we lost money in both areas. So, you know, that first week after the Super Bowl is where we see college basketball betting like really kind of crank up a little bit as people are wondering, well, they're asking the same question you just did, Seth Everett. Well, what are we going to do now? What are we going to bet on now? And what we see is so much more college basketball enter the nationally televised sphere. We see a lot more NBA games uh, play on those ABC Saturdays and Sundays now. So, we're going to see a transition to that kind of I listen I, I'm with you I wish we were talking about how much people were going to be betting on the hockey now that the NFL is over but it's going to be largely college basketball it's going to be largely NBA uh, we have a lot of movement since uh, the trade deadline passed last week in the NBA so 
the last uh, the last regular season run, that picture has clarified itself a little bit. And in college hoops, it looks like it's pretty wide open uh, in a sense that you know we you have Houston and Purdue at the, and Alabama at the top of the board, but otherwise, weirdly down years for UNC and Duke. You know, you would kind of expect that with Duke this year and Mike Shashevsky no longer being there, but. Uh, you know, Kansas is really the only mainstay I would see at the top of the betting board. Otherwise, you know, Texas out of nowhere, very, very good in college basketball. Tennessee, really, really good this year. Uh, Gonzaga has fallen all the way down to 13. So I think the fact that college basketball is wide open, this is the part of the year where I wish I'd been paying attention to college basketball, but this is probably what I'm going to be diving into more than anything else. Well, the interesting part about college basketball is, you know, we start to pay attention. You know, again, I have made this argument before. Um, as big as the NCAA tournament has grown over the last 15 years, the regular season has been diminished. And that's reality. And you could argue that the 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 general listener, by the time you're if you're listening to this podcast on the day it's released, you have not seen a college basketball game yet. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's it hasn't been a it hasn't really been appointment viewing so far, and I think also just because of where the where there's been a kind of a lack of blue bloods. Like uh, I think before the CBS uh, AFC Championship games or a, a few weeks back now, uh, they had it was like Michigan Ohio State playing, and those are two teams that usually matter in college basketball, and they were both unranked in that game. I mean, I put I put the game on and watched and. I mean, if there's not the backdrop of it being, uh, you know, conference championship weekend uh, in college hoops or those March Madness games, and all of a sudden you're kind of thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm watching, you know, 17, 18-year-old kids uh, brick long jumpers over and over and over, and neither of these teams are ranked, uh, it, it takes a little bit away from it. I mean, I, I like college basketball. I get into it. I've watched a couple Purdue and Tennessee games this year. I've watched Alabama play, and uh, it's neat to see them be as good as they are, but Otherwise, yeah, it's not going to grip me until now. Now, looking into next weekend and, you know, the rest of this week, yeah, I'm going to tune in and watch a couple games. But you're right. For the average player that's going to be dipping his toes in now, they probably have no idea what the college basketball horizon has even looked like up until this point. It really does hurt them as much as it, in a way, hurts the NBA in the fall when they're going up against NFL and college football like that. I've always said that I would rather see, I get why with college it doesn't work because there actually is an academic school year to align with. But with NBA, I just, I always wish they, I, I know I'm a broken record, but they would do so much better if they started at Christmas or January and went into the summer a little bit. But uh, I don't well, know. It's not only that. It, it goes even further than that. You know, there's there's been so much talk about pay for play with uh, an a la carte with, uh, you know, the upcoming uh, RSN bankruptcy, you know, with Sinclair uh, declaring bankruptcy. And there's some 42 uh, regional sports networks or not 42 networks, but 42 teams that are falling into this. And, you know, there's all kinds of talk. The Padres, the Tigers are just examples that there's a chance that by opening day, uh, there's pay for play. Well, you know, it involves 16 NBA teams, too. And could you imagine, let's say, spending a dollar ninety nine for a for a game, right? So let's pick pick a random game. You know, the Philadelphia 76ers uh, are taking on the Charlotte Hornets, right? And you have the option to purchase that game. Let's just say hypothetically, 
or you yeah. buy a ticket to that game. This this thing with the players taking random games off for no reason, and it's just in such high numbers. The the regular season in the NBA has been diminished a, a thousandfold, and it's it's hard to support. I'm sorry. If if you are a listener to this podcast and you love the NBA regular season, what do you love? Tell me. I want to hear from somebody that loves it. Yeah, and and the a la carte mode, uh, it, it's certainly not attractive to me because I I listen. I'm lucky that I, I get the company to expense all my various sports packages that I'm using. So, but I prefer to just have everything and have the option to to a dollar ninety nine like that. Like, what are the like? I'm, with my luck, I'm gonna buy that game because someone on Twitter says it's a good one, and then as soon as that purchase goes through and the game goes on my screen. I'm going to end up, oh, injury, or that's eh, actually going to be a blowout. I just, I, I'd rather spend $1.99 on an NBA top shot than I would an NBA game. I, it, it's really hard. That, it's really, really hard. I I, yeah. I have I have, I have trouble with that. And with the expanded playoffs now too, right? Like you have oh, 10 teams in each conference. that So you have an 82 game uh, or 80 or 82 game NBA regular season and just 20 of 10th. 30 teams. That's all you need yeah. is to get 10th. Yeah, and then you win your two play-in games, and uh, there you go. It's uh, and and we've seen it before with other teams that can get that eight seed if uh, you know injuries or whatever reason uh, had them have a less than still the regular season run, and they can do well if that's the case. So, I, I I don't know. It's 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 why I like the fact that Major League Baseball has as many games as it does because generally speaking, the teams that should be in the playoffs are there, and now they've even got the expanded wild card that I don't particularly like. It's exciting, but it's manufactured excitement. It's it robs uh, a lot of the teams who played a really really good regular season, often won their division by ten fifteen games, and then they lose a best of three versus somebody. It's kind of annoying, but uh, but listen, this is money. This is the confluence of money and sports, right? But I think the flip side is you're seeing a less engaged fan, a fan that, like me, in college basketball, I can engage kind of somewhat through November, December, and early January. I'm vaguely aware, but I'm not passionate about college basketball. And if I'm not passionate about it, I'm not spending a lot of money on either, I don't know, gear, jerseys, tickets, uh, anything else like that. I'm thinking about it a little bit, but I'm not really engaged until right now, the second week of February. And then how can that be good for the long-term viability of your product if for the majority of the year, uh, the average fan is barely paying attention? You know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. I'm not anti-basketball, but both college basketball and the NBA, they struggle to keep my attention. They really do. Um, all right. We will continue each and every week. We'll talk more football. We'll talk more basketball. We'll throw in some hockey, some maybe some other football, if we are so inclined. Uh, Patrick Morrow and myself, we do the Bavada at Odds podcast each and every week. Patrick, have a great time in Costa Rica. We'll see you when you are at least on the continent. See you next week, Seth, and very, very good luck against Man City. Man City.